Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bears fans? Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their lo- loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code CHICAGO. One two five. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity, like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's going on, you guys? Welcome to this post-game show, 26-6 loss, Bears to the Browns. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano. I'm accompanied by my co-host here, Mason West. And Mason, before we go into our, you know, structured show, what we kind of have here, what are your thoughts, man? Like this, (laughs) obviously, before we went live, it's like, yeah, we came to expect this. But what are just your opening thoughts of this Bears-Browns game? I don't know why I expected anything different. <laughs> we, we talked about that a little bit, like you said, before the show officially kicked off here. Uh, it's the same old stuff, right? And we just see it over and over again. And the question, you know, who's at fault? Is it, was it Mitch Trubisky was the problem? Is it, you know, this offensive coordinator? Oh, you know, we got to get rid of him because we're not running it well enough. Oh, no, it was our old offensive line coach. And you go back to last year where Nagy fired himself 
as the offensive coordinator. And then apparently you can get hire yourself back <laughs> the next year. And it's just, again, it's, it's just redundant at this point. Uh, and, you know, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Exactly. And, you know, uh, Mason, we'll obviously get into it, but just a lot of the similar thoughts for me as I was kind of watching it. And I had friends over, had my girlfriend over, my dad was in and out watching it. It's like when they're starting to the, the the lead is starting to dissipate, you know, as the game kind of goes on, and you know, the bears are not going to win this one. It's like, yeah, we've, we've been here before. We've seen the offense do absolutely nothing. And this, this almost took it to like another level of just no productivity on that side of the ball. But like I said, we'll get into it and we'll kind of go jump into now what we usually do in our structured kind of post-game show format. I'll start with uh, the first quarter of our show. And with that, uh, I'll start with just my opening statement. And that what, what I want to kind of start this with is with Matt Nagy and the game plan, what exactly was it? What did Matt Nagy and this offense want to try to accomplish in this one? Because there were no tendencies, except for maybe short yardage passes, keeping Justin Fields inside the pocket, not playing to his strengths, all those negatives. But what were you trying to do? What did, if, you know, did you not account for the pass rush being, being good in this game, despite them having a Miles Garrett who, who went off Mason, went crazy out there? It's like, did you not account, like, what if they get their pass rush going this game? What am I going to do to combat that? It seemed like Matt Nagy and what their offensive just game plan was for this one, they almost didn't account for that to happen. They're like, oh, the Browns didn't have a pass rush before this game. They're not going to get against us with our offensive line. So those are just kind of the thoughts I was thinking about. Like, what did Matt Nagy want to do? Did He, he didn't target anybody specifically on the defense to try to exploit any matchups, and not that there was really much time to do so, but – just in like thinking inside, like what what were you trying to do, Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor and John D. Filippo? What was it that you were trying to do? We will never get the answer to that question, Mason, because I don't know if there is an answer. But I'll end it at that because I'll probably just go ramble on and you know, who knows? <laughs> we'll go into a deep, deep, dark hole that I don't want to get into. But Mason, I'll hand it over to you. What's kind of your standout stat of this game? I was torn between two. Uh, the really obvious one, I think, is like you were talking about the pass rush, right? Nine sacks, four and a half by Miles Garrett. Um, that that four and a half by Miles Garrett, right? It that that's that's insane. You, know, you just can't let that happen. Um, I'm just blown away. That's the most, and that those nine sacks are the most since October third, two thousand ten, which was in that Giants game. How do you, we talked about this in that in the last episode where we were saying? Okay, I'm not super scared of the pass rush. They haven't hit home yet. You know, hopefully they can, this doesn't continue. But I, we threw that caveat out there. At some point, they're going to start getting home. They're too skilled. Miles Garrett, Damian Conley, McKin- Tackers McKinley is all a part of that too. Eventually, it's going to start. And apparently, they just needed a Matt Nagy offense and an offensive line that can't move. And uh, Greg Olson said this at the end of the broadcast where Clowney was saying, man, I've never been chipped so much in my, my whole career. And we didn't see that at all, really, I felt like. It was a lot of, all right, Jason Peters, have fun over there. You know, oh, all right, Fetty, you have fun over there. Just do the best you can. And, you know, a lot of Ole blocking, to say the least. Yeah, no, it definitely was. It was just an interesting, like, some of the – what the tackles were looking at in certain plays. Like, I know I tweeted out on the, the final 
Miles Garrett sack of the night of the day. It's like how many were there? There's a bunch, right? So it's like the final one. It's like Jason Pierce is looking inside, and I, again, we don't know the protection, how that's kind of called up, what he's, his responsibilities are on that one. But like knowing Miles Garrett to your left and your first reaction, maybe again, maybe that scheme what he's supposed to do, but it just seems outlandish and crazy. And it's not to look that way to the guy who's been wrecking your entire game plan, your entire offense that game. Um, Mason, I was for Will for Will's monster moment, I was kind of like lost at what, what that could potentially be because it, I don't know if there was one one real big play that really you know took this game out of hand. I think it was just over the course, especially of that second half, because it was a 10 to 3 game at halftime. But I'll, may, I'll defer to you because I really don't have anything. But is there anything, a monster moment? And obviously this could go negative or positive. There wasn't much positive for the Bears. Maybe defensively early on. But what, is there a monster moment there for you? There was that one where I felt personally the tide changed for me, or at least the momentum definitely shifted where um, it was one of the sacks. You know, there was a trillion of them. And I believe it was the one by clowny that put them that lost 10 yards mm. and that was what also like led to them getting that touchdown drive later to me it, yes it was the slow trickle effects kind of that water torture just drop 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 and all of a sudden it got worse and worse but for a little while i was like okay this is going fine we can do up oh, no never mind and then when that sack happened but like you said it's it was just a culmination of ineptitude <laughs> that, that really just uh, that was through that entire game yeah, you know what, I guess I, I maybe, like, this, again, maybe doesn't qualify as, like, what the segment's for this monster moment, but seeing Deion Bush miss a three-yard, it would have been a three-yard loss on Kareem Hunt in the backfield, missing that tackle there, and then Kareem Hunt going up that right sideline, A. Jackson, right, you know, used the hit stick there, lowering the head, completely whiffing, and Kareem Hunt getting that touchdown, that makes it a, well, that, that makes it a 20 to six ball game early in the fourth quarter when, Hey, realistically that should have been, they would have, they were at the Chicago 29 yard line. You would have forced a field goal. It's within reach, but knowing how the bears are playing an offense, it never felt that way, but that maybe would be one that I guess would qualify for, for that. And obviously yours as well, but yeah, just, um, it just over the course of that second half, we really just started to see the two teams kind of separate and the bears offense, not able to do anything. We'll get into that. But before we do, I have to tell you about our quick message from our sponsors at manscape attention listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at manscape have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next plant with the performance package, 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor a new multifunction on and off switch that can engage in travel lock and is even waterproof. Inside this package, of course, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all those goodies together. 
Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trendy and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, you guys, we're heading into our second quarter of the show. And that's where we have to unfortunately talk about this Bears offense, Mason. So I kind of want to just open up the floor here. Um, just about anything on this Bears offense. And there's 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 a lot to look at, but there's not a lot of production, obviously. But where do you kind of want to start this? What After seeing what happened today against the Browns, again, on the road, a, a qual- a, going to be a playoff team in my eyes. But what, what maybe upsets you the most? Or what is... Like maybe the reason why the Bears were able not able to do anything, but again, what maybe upsets you? It it's a combination where understanding who Justin Fields is right now. He's a rookie quarterback starting in his first game, right? And we know that. And going back to some of his college tape, we know there's a chance that you know does he hold the ball a little a little bit too long? Um, you know what are his reads like? And just understanding that, you would imagine that your coaching staff would create a game plan to minimize those aspects but the problem is they didn't do that whatsoever you know it was the entire first half they had one play that they actually moved the pocket <laughs> that he had a rollout and it was a, it was a completion when we saw that <laughs> uh that, that's insane to me um and it's just those issues though were it wasn't just with like matt Nagy's playing calling it was awful and we know that we can, we can get into that more but then you also saw issues with justin himself there was one play in particular Snap, gets the ball, stares down to the left side. I believe it was the slant route to Allen Robinson. And it was like, yep. all right, I know where that ball is going as immediately. Three seconds, you know, two, three seconds go by, and that's where it goes. You know, so that can't happen. It has you need to be a look off, or if you're going to get that ball out, it needs to be quicker. That pass interference to Darn to Allen Robinson that occurred, he had Darnell Mooney open. That was a touchdown. He's got to get that ball out. Uh, and then you look at some of the routes were funky. There was one Cole Komet had, I tweeted about it. It was bad play design, first of all. If I see more, like, all hitches, I'm going to go insane. But he ran the route to the stick, turned around, and then floated back towards the defender as the ball was coming to him. That route has to be past the sticks so that he can drive and attack the ball downhill, catch it, get the first down. Instead, he floated back to the defender so he was able to punch the ball out. There's things like that that were just frustrating throughout the entirety of the game. No, absolutely. I was, I was seeing, again, all Bears fans are seeing a lot of the same things you were, Mason. It just didn't quite make sense why Matt Nagy was doing what he was doing. But what I think what really strikes me is that earlier in the week, just in his press conferences, again, maybe maybe I'm taking too much of what Matt Nagy says in his press conference, and that that's on me. But it did seem genuine when he said, we are looking at plays that, cater to his strengths anything that he doesn't like we're, we're dishing him out of there and we're going to use things that he likes to do but after that first half mason w- there's nothing that i saw out there that showed me what justin fields likes to do like sit in the pocket throw these hitches don't even try to attempt the ball deep again there wasn't time i understand that i completely understand that but still you mentioned the one play rolls out it, it's completion Allen Robinson, I believe, on the left sideline. The one play rolls out in that mm-hmm. first half. I don't see why there there wasn't even an attempt to do that. Maybe it still doesn't work because that, that rush was really getting there, but the Bears didn't even make that seem like it was an option given that 
you have Justin Fields as your quarterback. That's one of his strengths to get outside the pocket to extend plays with his legs. And if no one's open downfield, which they weren't, which receivers weren't consistently, you can run with that. But that wasn't in the game plan, Mason. It just wasn't, especially in the first half. There's a little, okay, a little bit more. If you're watching, it's like a tiny bit more uh, of like calls where he's actually designed to roll out, but that's not enough. So that's something that just didn't make sense. And then, uh, look, there was there was I, I think there was maybe six or five or six three and outs in, in this game for the Bears offense, just kind of looking through the play-by-plays on ESPN. But, like, not even trying to, I guess, get Allen Robinson, somebody as involved in that one. Yes, he I think, like I just mentioned, he caught the one on the side. And it just, like, when your offense is stalled, as bad as it was for the Bears this game, like that should be your security blanket, not the Cole Komet play that you referenced, Mason, because Cole Komet hasn't shown us that he can do that yet. It's Allen Robinson has, so you, you just got to find ways to to make that work. But, and again, that's bigger picture, but, again, maybe we should talk about this offensive line, Mason, because there's there's issues. <laughs> if, you, if, you didn't, if you didn't know that from watching this game, there are some issues what just some, after watching the game again, this is all on the fly, but what was your assessment of how that group played today? You know, it, not great is, is the easiest way to put it, right? I mean, and that's really obvious. When you see where the pressures were coming from, the people that were really creating it wasn't up the middle. I mean, no, the in, interior wasn't fantastic either, but it was definitely the edges, right? So, you know, when you have Jason Peters and Tremaine Fetty like just whiffing consistently, you talked, reference that one play where you know, Peters didn't even look at Miles Garrett, it seemed like. And it's as I'm not an offensive line expert or anything like that, but you would imagine that the tackle, especially when you don't have a running back on that side of the formation, is probably has to deal with the defensive end on that side. We need to remember, though, I mean, the line played well last week or well enough for them to, you know, to get the win. And it's just such this roller coaster where we're like, all right, Jason Peters, like how high he scored, Jermaine Effetti, like, you know, they were one of the highest scoring offensive linemen of the week. So I feel like to come in the, now and just absolutely crush them isn't necessarily fair. And I still believe that that goes back to part the play calling. When you look at the fact that Dave Montgomery had 10 carries, two receptions, so only 12 touches, yeah, you're going to pin your ears back as a defensive line. It's going to be really difficult to to do that when you don't leave a back end to help when you don't have a tight end that's going to help chip and i think that's part of that is also roster construction you know like where is the jesse james help you know you look at all these other teams and they have a fullback on this on the squad they have a blocking tight end someone that's really going to help with that do the bears truly even have that and the answer is arguably no i, I wouldn't say that there's someone i'd be feel confident being like all right you go help double team on garrett just to give field a little extra help so, you know, when you see, like we talked about is the adjustments, when you see that they're having this issues, because he's Jason Peters is 39 years old. Miles Garrett looks like, you know, black Thor out there. Like what, <laughs> like, what, like, what do you expect him to do there? Help him out. Cause this is the team you have. You don't have someone, we don't have Tevin Jenkins. We don't know when he's going to come back. Right. We don't have Larry Forum. We don't know when he's going to come back. And again, they're both rookies anyway. So right now you need to help them out. Absolutely. And just kind of going on with things that are wrong with this Bears offense, because we could we could probably just do the whole show on that, Mason. But 
I also noticed like my dad was he was just kind of like again in and out watching the game. He's like, it, is Jimmy Graham? Does he still play for the team? I'm like, good question, Dad. Uh, he and uh, ironically, he actually came into the game because the Bears were somewhat close to that that space on the field called the red zone, which they weren't very familiar with in this game. But you know, Jimmy Graham, they showed him on there, and that also goes into like the personnel and how they're using them, things like that. So I just don't quite why is Jimmy Graham on this team? On honest to God, like what is his role? Is it, if it's a mentor, like. Man, that would be such a great job to get, Mason. I mean, just the amount of money to be a mentor for Cole Komet, who <laughs> let me look at the stat sheet here. Again, not trying to harp really badly on Cole Komet, but one reception for 11 yards. And again, the whole offense was terrible, but this is not – there are things that are just not making sense, and that's just one of many. I kind of want to go back, though, because it's all over the place, and that's fine. It's cool. Um, And that first series, Mason, where – the Bears they get they they take over at the 47 yard line. They get the big run by David Montgomery to start things off. You're like, oh, you're you know you're clapping your hands. You're like, this, this is gonna be a good it. day. <laughs> it's gonna be a good day, and that was about it. But then we have the third and two play, and you have that sweep to the left, and it looks like Justin and Cole Kamara were talking. Play? Yes, Mason, what is that play? <laughs> That's a great question, which Nagy definitely doesn't have an answer to. But it's like. Justin Fields is talking to Komet. Somebody blew something there. And then some of the wide receivers are expected to make blocks uh, on, on the edges there. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's like hindsight maybe, right? You know, the play didn't work. Obviously, it's not a good one. But it still just doesn't – it didn't feel right when they called it. And when you didn't see it executed, it didn't feel right. Well, you're 100% right. So even if you just look at pure execution, like you said, Cole Komet definitely messed something up there. Uh, I have to go back and watch a little more closely. Plus, we don't know the full full play design, but you know, Justin going to talk to him afterwards. You also are sweeping to the side that of Jason Peters, who is not exactly fleet of foot at this point, and expecting him to be able to reach out that far. You're shortening your field. You're, it's third and two. Like, why are you trying? You don't have the edge over there. Why not? You're not attacking up the middle, which is what Montgomery does best when he gets north and south. You don't even have an option. Like, let's say Justin read something. Like, if it was an inside handoff, he could pull it and roll. He could pull, you know, and you could do an RPO there. There are so many other things that made, would have made way more sense in that situation than what they did there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I get, I, we'll kind of do this, like, just from what stands out, Mason, because there, there really isn't anything to evaluate from this offense. To be completely honest, the team, what, ended. Just checking the team stat, total plays they ran forty-two total plays. That does, that's got to be it. Forty-seven total yards. I mean, I knew it was bad, but you couldn't even get fifty yards for an entire entire game. I have to go back and watch Mitchell Trubisky in those games to see if it was ever that bad. I know. Wow, that is okay. I don't know why that's so mind blowing after watching this game, but it is another thing that kind of just just again, thinking of certain plays is that the few moments that Justin Fields did extend outside the pocket, it felt like receivers didn't adjust to him. Like, again, we were talking about last week, how it, you know, I wrote a whole article on this is like how his teammates failed to help him out. It also seemed like that was obviously bits and pieces in this or a lot, uh, obviously the offensive line, but it, I think it was Greg Olson who was talking about it during the broadcast. It's like, when this kid rolls out, why are his guys not breaking off and trying to see where he's at and just kind of make things a little bit easier for him so he doesn't have to do everything by himself? 
And I know Darnell Mooney talked about that earlier in his press conferences this week. It's like when he rolls out, we know that, again, the play is still alive, that we need to adjust to him. And again, there weren't many, op- there weren't a lot of opportunities for Bears receivers to do that because those plays were never really called in the first place. And those edges were hammering down on Justin Fields. And like you pointed, there were some that maybe Fields can do something else, and, and rightfully so, but there weren't a lot of opportunities. But you would like to even see it when the few opportunity, opportunities are presented, they, they help out the young quarterback, or Matt Nagy helps him out by calling plays that, that actually work. I, you know, Mason, I really don't even know where to where to take this offensive conversation because this wasn't this was almost just a new low or just the or just the norm because again we've we've been through this before we've been where the offense is unable to do anything is there anything that you kind of want to get to with this Bears offense and really it can go position philosophy Matt Nagy feel anything the floor is open because there was really nothing to kind of look at today. The the one thing I want to build off something you said too in terms of the the receiver route running. When you have when you we have a summer like they had right, and they're they're preparing for Andy Dalton, and we talked about this over and over and over again. How often did we actually get to did Fields actually get to play with this offensive line? Did they get to play with your receivers? You know, the, I only got to go two days, but the two days I went to training camp, and then based off some of the things you've said and what others of the beat writers have said. I can't think of there wasn't a time where they said, oh, look at that. That was a beautiful throw, deep pass to Allen Robinson in, in live action, right? Because that's not happening. There, there's not instances where, you know, you, we've seen in practices and training camp and all that, that Darnell Mooney's had to go from running his fly route to come back and across the field so that Justin can find him. So a lot of this is also just simply, the, I think, also a failure on the coaching staff to not get enough reps, and especially once you get into the actual season. The practices are so much different. It's it's much slower in pace. It, you know, it's not live live action. So I think what we'll see over time is that this this will get better. <laughs> this will it will get better. The receivers will be able to know what Justin likes more. The Justin will understand a little bit better in terms of some of these coverages. He will he'll get a little quicker with his reads. But the thing that does have to change is is what we're calling on is the game plan. It is literally the plays. Uh, tweeted this out earlier as well, you know, when they, uh, the Browns ran that one screenplay to hunt a little early in the game and it was beautiful. You know, they ran multiple screens this game actually with their running backs and they got giant chunk plays out of it. Why? The running backs who are very dynamic were in the open field with blockers in front of them. Now, I don't know if they just simply don't think the offensive line can get out into the, the open field at this point, but when was the last time, I'm having a hard time remembering, when was the last time you saw a running back screen? When was the last time we saw a tight end screen who, in theory, Cole commits your big athletic tight end you got in the second round? You know, things like that, that are extensions of your run game and get the ball out quick and also build confidence. I mean, how hard would it be to beat Justin Fields? And to, when you have what, how many completions did he have total? There were six re- receptions today. Six. I wouldn't be confident doing that either. Like, that's insane. Set your players up for success. Absolutely, Mason. Absolutely. Um. What okay? This is from Kevin Fishbane tweeted it. Who's obviously uh, at the press conferences, but Matt Nagy, and this is going to be very obvious. Quote: I obviously, as a head coach, didn't do a good enough job getting oh, the offense ready. Right. Shocker! So no way. Oh it's my like God. that. I feel like that's such a a scapegoat kind of answer for him. That's just his, or that's his go-to. Like I just didn't do a good enough job today. 
oh, I didn't do a good enough job this game, that game. It's like those are – he's become so, again, accustomed to giving that answer. It's just like that's not a, a get you know get a, get out of jail free card. It's like your offense was terrible. You can't just say you didn't do a good enough job. What is it? Feel like there's never really much accountability for Nagy. Like people look, we get like there's a lot on Twitter that you know it's Matt Nagy's fault and rightfully so. But where where's the accountability actually happening in the Bears organization? Oh oh, this was Matt Nagy says Bears. QB Justin Fields may have injured a hand late in the loss this afternoon. I thought I saw Tristan. Uh, Tristan, you're awesome in the chat. Say that too. I just wanted to yeah. see. I couldn't find it initially. So this that this could not be the the. This is the worst case scenario. It's like you get blown out. There's nothing on offense you can really build on. There's nothing. And if Justin Fields is hurt, and if Andy Dalton can't play. Good old Saint Nick. Nick Foles is gonna have to like. I don't want to speculate too too much, but hopefully the injury, however significant it is to to Justin Fields' hand, is obviously not a major one. But I'm sure we'll have to go and find the play and see what you could do there, Mason, to see if you could see anything. But that's disappointing. Couldn't really couldn't be worse. Uh, like you said, the hope is. I mean. Clearly, Justin finished the game. It, hopefully, it's you know maybe like a non-throwing hand situation. Uh, if it's throwing hand like thumb or something like that, that's pretty detrimental. That's going to be that's awful. And oh man, if we have to play the Lions with Saint Nick, I I'm going to lose it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that uh, I think that was a game that all of us were planning on attending to be in person too. So we get to see Justin Fields play for the first time at Soldier Field, Mason, and Will will come back. Two soldier field and see Nick Foles, which there would be sad and kind of funny. But um, uh, Michael in the chat, Nick, you'll be our quarterback. I don't know if you're referring to Nick Foles, but it's definitely not going to be me. All right. So I think that really, honestly, Mason. That's it. There's something else. That's going to, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap up the offensive talk here and let's go. Let's talk about this Bears defense because there's a lot more positives on that side. And yes, we can get to the, the negatives there. But again, it was 26 to 6. And that defense played a lot, a lot of football today, Mason. What are just some of your takeaways from that unit in today's loss against the Browns? The defense played well enough to win. Like the what they you don't always have to force force turnovers. It right, it doesn't have to be what it was last week against the Bengals in order to create a successful outcome. You know, especially that first half, stellar. Robert Quinn is proving me wrong. You know, I, I was on record saying I'm done with him, washed up, get him off the team, you know, trade him for a bucket in a mop for all I care. <laughs> He's been playing really, really well, you know, and he, him and also Mac, let's talk about Cleo Mac. He also, what he had two sacks today. Yeah. Two sacks and Quinn with one and a half. And he also came back from that injured foot. We'll see what happens the rest of the week, of course, but the tenacity to be able to play through an injury like that. Um, and, Having players come back, you know, in terms of having uh, Mario Edwards, that was huge. He he put a ton of pressure. Akeem Hicks playing through the that illness. Jalen Johnson did great against OBJ. OBJ is just a physical freak, and I don't care. You know, obviously coming off an ACL, probably would limit him a little bit, but still held him in check. They held the rushing attack back much better than I thought. But like you said, they were out there a lot. With all of those positives, it's very hard to keep a team off the scoreboard when you have to play that many snaps, especially when you have some of these injuries and things that are holding you back a little bit. So, I mean, not to go back to the offense too much, but 
if they actually were able to stay on the field a little more, create, have, have some scores out there, I think we could have seen even a better output from the defense. I think so too. And kind of where I want to start this is how this defense played and what was such a big focal point. What I kind of mentioned in the preview shows, can this Bears defense win on first down? And early on, Mason, they were doing that. Where whether Baker Mayfield was designed to pass on, you know, on the very first play of a series, or they handing off the ball to Chubb or Hunt, on first down, the Bears were winning that. And that really messes with what the Browns were trying to do offensively. And that's why it ended up being a 10 to three ball game at the half. And I, I thought what you saw from the front seven and man, I, I kept writing down in my notes, 58, 58, 58. Roquan Smith was everywhere. And that's, and look, that's just him building off an impressive performance that we saw a week ago and showing that, yeah, I can make the pick six. And now obviously I can go sideline to sideline, make those tackles, read what the offensive line is doing and just make a tackle on these dynamic running backs because that's what Roquan Smith is doing. But also to your point, like seeing number 94, Robert Quinn, win these one-on-ones and getting back there. Look, I will gladly eat my words. I know you will too, Mason, if he's playing well, because we've been waiting for this. My dad's like, is 94 new? I'm like, no, we just had what two sacks all of last season. So it's great to see him, you know, playing the way he is. And, you know, even, like a guy like Mario Edwards first game action today and doing what he did. That's nice to see from, from that unit, because that's definitely a positive. You could take away um, that from this game. I know, look, the Browns ended up finishing with nine sacks. The bears had five, which typically would be a good day for that unit. They just, you know, had a far better day on the opposite side of the field there. Um, Another thing that I kind of noticed there, which definitely is something that the bears, Never did with Fangio, never with Vic Fangio or just in the previous two games. They were kind of switching the corners a little bit. You saw Kendall Vildor and Jalen Johnson kind of swapping sides. And I couldn't get a read if it was Johnson following Odell. I don't I don't know if that was necessarily the case. I, I think it was. It, it seemed okay. like he was pretty much shadowing uh, OBJ unless he was in the slot. Okay, so so I think, look, that's something that's completely different from the Vic Fangio days because Fuller stayed on, on one side. Then he had Prince of Mukamura and whoever else was, you know, would maybe fit into that role, stay on their sides. But that was something that I think Sean Desai mentioned something, a little bit of that, like you'll have to wait and see. And you saw that a little happen a little bit because I thought you saw early on too, the Browns, despite not having as much offensive success, they had a few plays that were kind of catered to attacking Kendall Vildor. They had, it was, I think there was a holding call where he was on OBJ. Then he had Donovan Peoples-Jones on the opposite side after Jalen Johnson and him had switched. He gave up a reception over there. So they were kind of not – they were kind of targeting that 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 weakness. I, I mean, I guess that would make a lot of sense. If you're looking at the Bears, Stevens, probably that and, and nickel corner. So something a little different. And I don't know, after, you know, just few a uh, game of it, Mason, are you in favor of the Bears kind of having Jalen Johnson's shadow? A number one or yeah what are your thoughts on that i'm so for it you know i've i've been on record before saying like my issue with kyle fuller was how how he played off and how they never flip sides of the field so when you had a situation where you have like a number one wide receiver someone that you know you have to contain so obj falls in that category you know your deandre hopkins of the world things like that someone you're like if we can shut this person down or at least limit them we have a chance to win this game they never were able to do that 
you know, part of it was also they trusted both corners relatively equally. But at the end of the day, if you have someone like Jalen Johnson, who arguably has been one of the better cornerbacks in the entire league, let him follow the best receiver around. That's perfectly fine by me. And I think shows a lot of confidence in that player, especially when he has output like he did today. I thought Jalen Johnson played great today. Yeah, I think so too. Especially, look, whether OBJ is coming off an AC, it's still Odell Beckham Jr. And he had one it was just a fantastic route, honestly, where he just fakes like he's going up the field and just stops. I don't know how momentum could just stop like that, but that's why he gets paid millions of dollars. And that's why I talk about it, but he did. And he got, you know, got one of those receptions on Jalen Johnson. Something that I, I also like just because we need to talk about some positives in this podcast, Macy, because it's all, all been negative up to this point. And it'll, it'll get back to the negatives at, at some point. But another thing that I liked what you saw kind of carry over, from that win against the Bengals is kind of how and where these pass rushers are kind of lining up. There, there was a couple of plays actually against the Bengals where Mac was lined up as an inside linebacker and then comes free off a of blitz. Notice that it happened on one of the rushes early on. I think it was on either the Browns second, I think it was their second or third offensive uh, series where I'm like, did Mac just come from the inside again? He did. And it's like those little wrinkles, putting guys in different spots and having them stun and twist with other guys. I'm all all in favor of that because it seemed to, you know, be working for what you know they they saw in this Browns offensive line, trying to create some confusion and just kind of putting these guys in position to make plays, and that's what for the most part a lot of these guys did. So that was something that I also liked. Anything else stand out to you about the defense and maybe some of the positives of it? Like I said, as a whole, the defense kept them in this game. They forced a lot of third and longs, which is great. Uh, a couple of those fourth down stands that they made yeah. too, pretty fantastic. Because uh, you know, it's hard to stop a team four plays in a row, especially when maybe the third down, you know, you stop them for a loss or a one yard gain. Now it's fourth and two, fourth and three, things like that. It's hard to stop an, an NFL offense unless you're stopping the Bears, because then it's easy. Uh, but <laughs> when you have you know Roquan Smith making great plays, we talked about Mac and Quinn already. You know, Akeem Hicks cutting it out. And surprisingly enough, you know, Duke Shelley also played relatively well. You know, definitely had some receptions on him. A couple missed tackles here and there. But Duke Shelley had that one uh, open field tackle on Dimitri Felton, uh, yeah. that, which was fantastic. And, you know, Dimitri Felton is one of my was one of my draft crushes. I've talked about that before. Super fast, dynamic, quick in those small spaces. So to be able to make a tackle like that is pretty impressive on his end, too. But when you have that wear and tear, and that's really where you start to see the defense start to falter a little bit more when you have to be out there as long. I don't I don't blame them for this loss. I'm not going to, you know, yes, Eddie Jackson missed that second tackle after Deion Bush did. But that's also, like again, late in the game. It's If it was a closer game and you're getting more from your offense, I'd be more like, let's go all out, blame them for those. But at this point, I have a hard time doing that because they were the reason they were in the game in the first place. Absolutely. Look, Baker Mayfield, 19 of 31, 246 yards, missed some throws, but the Bears made it tough on him to, you know, complete some of those passes. The, the tight ends weren't really as involved other than, you know, the touchdown reception to Austin Hooper late in that in that um, first half there. But I think for the most part, yes, this was on the road. The offense gave him no, no help whatsoever. There was no complimentary football, right? There really was. It was just – it was a defense that, that showed up for – a good portion of this game. And then as it, as it kind of expected it to, it trickled off. They gave up some bigger runs. Kareem hunt um, was able to burst off some big runs, but the one, and I guess this is where we can lead kind of lead to some of the, the negatives. 
as well as the Bears played defensively. And they were a pretty stout group in terms of pass rush, just being, you know, contesting receivers and make, for the most part, make a tackle. I, I'm aware who, who's missed tackles in, in this game. But the one thing is, like, the Browns knew exactly when to call screens against them and knew they caught them at the best time. It could just be, be, be play calling. It really can. That's that's what a good play caller does. It gets you and takes advantage of maybe, you know, an aggressive defense that's coming up field. But it seemed like there was a bunch of times in this game where the screen pass to, to Kareem Hunt or, or or whoever it may have been, and the, there were some big chunks down the field. Um, so that's like the one area I was looking at in my notes. Like, man, as well as they played, these screen plays are killing them. And why can't we have that in the Bears offense? I again, it just it doesn't make make much sense. Um, yeah, Mason, anything else that you're thinking about with this with this Bears defense as a whole? Are, do you feel after this game? Do you feel better about the Bears defense? Do you think they're closer to what we saw against Cincinnati? Or I mean, I guess look, it's 26 points, but yeah, I guess what is your your feel for this Bears defense is now we head into Week Four. Uh, against the Detroit Lions, I feel I feel better about this defense than I did definitely after Week One. I mean, obviously Week One was rough, yeah. um, and that was where we were like, oh, okay, red alert, things are going to go terribly. But f- from what we saw against the Bengals, from what they did today, again, the defense can keep you in games. They're going to play well enough. Are are they 2018? You know, top three unit? No, I wouldn't say that. But I mean, they're definitely a top half of the league depending on if they eventually get some help from the offense could they i could think they could be a top 10 defense just maybe not in terms of scoring but at least in terms of yards uh but that aggressiveness that they have to get after the quarterback also definitely like you said kind of burned them a little bit uh when you have someone like kareem hunt with six receptions for 74 yards you know that's that's tough and those are all mainly you know screen passes they had a couple of those angle routes um, out of the middle, that that should be, that's a Madden play, you know, with that angle route, <laughs> that shouldn't be as easy as it was. Uh, but if they can keep building on what they have, they should be fine. It's just, they get, I keep saying this, but they, they had zero help whatsoever. Yeah, they had zero help and they, they did play a very efficient and, you know, an offense that, that can score points and, you know, they held them to 26 and I think the big thing is like they did that without creating any turnovers and they didn't have any help from their offense. So I think for me looking forward, this defense is like you said, it will keep you in games. I think they're going to be a, a good unit by the end of the year. And they kind they did this without Eddie Goldman. Who knows if that guy's ever going to play in a bears uniform at this point. I know bears fans are frustrated with both the Eddie's on this team, Eddie Goldman and Eddie Jackson at this point, especially up to this point in the season. But, yeah, I'm not too too concerned, you know, uh, relatively what the whole unit's doing collectively as a group. They have to finish uh, on making some of those tackles, obviously. And at this point, it, I think it is fair to question if Eddie Jackson will really ever get better at that because he got he got exploited for it in week one. It shouldn't be an issue two weeks later, right? It shouldn't be an issue where you miss. And I know your other safety missed too, but someone's got to take accountability. And those two plays kind of show you nobody did. So, yeah, like you, I feel do feel good about this defense. We'll do a quick hit on, on special teams. And I think there, there are obviously some talk, talking points there. But anything that stands out to you about this third phase of the Bears? The main 
two main things. One, I want a little bit more out of Khalil Herbert. Uh, I need because the Browns weren't getting a lot of touchbacks, right? They, he had chances for returns and um, nothing particularly was great about him. And then, of course, the one that he had, we were like uh, near the end of the half. We're like, okay, well, maybe they can actually like try a deep deep ball or something like that. He got brought back due to you know an issue with I believe it was holding something of that nature. Uh, and then the Simba Webster fumbled the ball. That could that could have been huge. I mean, obviously, Bears still lost regardless. But if he they hadn't recovered the ball, they were in Bears territory, probably would have punched it in for a score, and that would have just been a game changer much earlier on than what ultimately happened. So still, punt returning is still an option ever since Tariq Cohen went down. So they got to figure that out. And apparently uh, there are a couple people that were tweeting about how uh, the fumbles were a problem for him when he was with the Rams even. And so hopefully that's something that doesn't continue. Yeah, absolutely. So I think not having – it's I don't know if the Bears feel this way, but uh, someone that's reliant or reliable as that punt return because anytime that ball goes on the ground, you just you're you're hoping that it goes the ball bounces in your favor, which it, it did for Nasimba, but he was brought onto his team for that that specific reason. You're not going to see Nasimba Webster playing any type of offense. It's going to be there as a punt return, and that's it. The only other thing, Mason, when Cairo Santos was called to kick field goals, he made his field goals. So, and I think that is is it 30 or 31 straight somewhere around that mark for for Cairo Santos. So, you have someone you can count on. Just need to get in that that range. And obviously after this game, that proves to be a lot more difficult. Easier said than done. All right, uh, Mason, we'll go to the fourth quarter of our show and kind of accelerating the clock here, which makes sense after this 26-6 to loss of the Browns. But And we talked about this segment. It was during the Bengals game about calling an audible and what this segment can – what we could do with it. So I'm going to kind of hand it off to you first. When What would you – looking back at this game, do differently. And obviously there's a lot, but what is like the big thing that kind of stands out? If I was going to go back, and I think a lot of people would feel this way as well. It's just the entire game plan on offense just needs to be different, <laughs> like the, the entirety of it. And while, yes, Justin Fields doesn't seem like a guy that gets rattled super easily. He doesn't seem like he's a guy that is going to get be getting the yips and things of that nature. But there is still something to be said about trying to organically grow his confidence, right? And that just wasn't done from the beginning, right? The first couple plays, first series out, it was a lot of handoffs. It was very predictable, you know, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And then when you finally start to try to get the actual ball in the air a bit more, it's really funky routes. They're not easy completions. Um, It's him having to try to fit it into very small windows or under duress, things of that nature. So, for it going into, like, for example, next week, it would be lovely to see a bit more easy throws, things that can just get him on a rhythm, just boom, boom, boom. When they actually started going a little bit up-tempo, that helped too. Uh, but they only did that a couple of times. And then lastly, running the ball more. Ten, to me, at least, when he's averaging, I think it was 3.4 yards per carry, 10 touches isn't really enough for David Montgomery. It just, just doesn't have to be on first of all, first down almost every single time. So maybe mix that up. But also doing that so we can actually get some play action going, right? A play action rollout is a beautiful thing. And what that the fact that that wasn't done enough is a problem for me. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of – I'll go really specific with how I'm going to treat this segment. Just, again, uh, calling an audible here. 
I would have liked to see, and again, you you kind of alluded to this earlier, Mason, about do the Bears even have the right personnel, but really having those extra guys in to block the edges. And maybe that's with a J.P. Holtz or leaving in Montgomery to block, and there are even plays where the Bears did that and it still didn't work, but it just seemed like knowing how much pressure Garrett, Clowney, and the rest of the Browns front seven were getting, and especially off the edges, and even when they didn't register a sack, there, there just need to be at some point where Matt Nagy made an adjustment to leave, have those heavier sets in so that you could give Justin Fields more time to throw from the pocket because that's what you were calling. You weren't really designing him to roll out, but if that's going to be the case, you need to give him time to do so. And obviously that wasn't the case. So going back and if I could do things over, it's like that's what I would have incorporated more into this game plan because clearly – you have him drop back in the pocket and try to throw from there, knowing that the the edges are collapsing was not working. So that's something I would do. He also, and I just realized this, Fields only ran the ball three times. Now, I'm not yeah. saying be Lamar Jackson, you know, because that's we don't need that, but that's a little insane to me. Three three attempts, 12 yards with a long of seven. There Maybe a little more design quarterback runs. It, it just didn't seem like that was even in – in like the again the game plan like that wasn't a wasn't ever going to be a part of it for some reason and I I don't understand that Matt Nagy or yeah Matt Nagy was asked earlier in the week it's like I think it was from Mark Potash who who asked great question he's like you know is there an element of surprise that you could bring to Cleveland because knowing that you have a guy that's as physically capable as a Justin Fields and just even. Again, I don't remember exactly what Matt Nagy said, but clearly there wasn't any creativity. There wasn't anything that catered to his strengths, and there was no element of surprise because the Browns looked like they knew exactly what the Bears were going to do and limited them limited them to, what, under 50 total yards, which is nuts. All right, Mason, um, we we got that out of the way. Now we have to, we have to pick a, an MVB for, for this game, the most valuable Bear, and I know this seems – I don't know, counterintuitive because of what the game was like. But who's your MVP? Who stood out and and why? I think you're going to take someone that I would say. So I'm going to take something that's a little more not obvious. I'm going to say Pat O'Donnell. Because he actually had some amazing punts. Like they were that big leg we've talked about for him. And he really did help flip the field. Uh, And then there was some pretty solid punt coverage as well. So the the Bears were able to really get the Browns on their side, which was really important because when you can't move the ball at all, that was huge and just was able and let the Browns have to force force the Browns have to march down the field instead of right taking over at the fifty at the at their at their own forty something like that. Nature. I I like that one a lot there, Mason, and that's exactly what the Bears were doing in the first half. Like they had to put together long drives, and the Bears stopped them fourth down. So I really like that. I was gonna, I was gonna twist this most valuable Brown. I was just gonna say Miles Garrett, duh. But okay, for a Bears, I, I will go with Robert Quinn. I think that's the guy who you're referring to, and that's weird. I, you know, going into the season, week three, would I be, would have I anticipated saying that Robert Quinn was the most valuable Bear? Absolutely freaking not. But he's showing up, and that is great for this Bears defense, and great for Cleo Mack, who ended with two. I think how they finally put the tally mark, Quinn had one and a half sacks and Mac had two. So 
look at that. I mean, you're starting to get these edge rushers that you paid so much money. You have so much money allocated to that group, and they're playing dividends so far through three weeks. So I'll give it to Robert Quinn on that one. And now, Mason, we kind of close out the show with our two-minute warning here. I don't have the ticker, and I, I'll kind of give you the floor, though, to just kind of – again, we've been doing this all, like, therapeutically, just kind of talking to this Bears game. But two minutes, you have the floor. I'll shut up. So after this, I definitely got to spend some time watching some of the press conferences to see what's going on, you know, Justin Fields' hand and everything like that. But we saw it kind of filter in. It looks like he should be okay. I mean, you never know. Uh, obviously, 24 hours later, a lot of times things, you know, swelling blows up and it's difficult to do, yada, yada, yada. But that's one of the biggest things here is because this year they're not – the Bears are not doing anything. They, they might make the playoffs. You never know. But is that really what you want? Not necessarily. You want to see development of your young quarterback. So you got to protect Justin Fields, but you got to let him play and you got to let him build his confidence. You got to let him do the stuff that he wants to do. Now, I don't I don't know how confident I am that this is the coaching staff to do that. I never like to be the person calling for people to get fired. And it's really early. This is week three to really be talking about that. Uh, It's a long season because, you know, looking ahead, if six, seven weeks go by and all of a sudden the Bears are a game over 500 or something, we're singing a different tune. But this it is concerning for me because we have now seen multiple iterations of this Bears offense and did multiple quarterbacks. They go, okay, well, we don't have the running back, you know, because it, it can't be Jordan Howard. So now it's Dave Montgomery. Well, you know, I can't do anything with this quarterback. I need this one. Well, I was just kidding. That wasn't a good one either. Let's do this one. Well, I don't have the offensive line. And so, you know, they draft a bunch of people in the sixth and seventh round. Finally, this year, they draft someone earlier and it turns out, all right, we got some injuries got to deal with. I don't have the wide receivers. I need, I need speed. Where's Demir Bird? Again, we, we said that in the, some of these preview episodes. He hasn't been out there. Uh, Goodwin, just you can't really look at a lot of the targets and receptions because there were six total, so not exactly a lot to go around. But, but And there's one deep pass, and it wasn't a little underthrown, and it wasn't that great either. And obviously he was under duress, and Mikey gave me Justin, so it's not like you could even get a deep pass off. But you keep saying, like, I need these things, and then you give Matt Nagy and this coaching staff these things. And it hasn't happened. So, I mean, I, it, if there's the thing I'm the least confident in, in this entire team, it is the current makeup of people who are not on the field. You had a lot of great stuff there, Mason. And I'll probably at some point in my rambling repeat some of the things. But here's where I'll take this. Do not make it come to a conclusion on Justin Fields after, tonight, after today. That should be obvious. But there will be people – Oh, do you see what he finished with? Six of 20 for 68 yards? Do not, because that is the worst thing you can do about this young man and what he's capable of doing, I think, with the right people around him. So that's number one. Number two, it and again, this is his first start, and it's just the first time he actually got time with the starting offense, just actually repping throughout the week, trying to build that chemistry, trying to get things right. So – as bad as this game looked offensively against the Browns, and it hit a new low, like I said, I think it's hard to be worse than it was today in next week's performance against the Lions at home. So I think it is natural that we're going to see an uptick in production, in productivity, in play calling. I really do believe that. But it goes back to, well, even if it does, when you face that good opponent again, is it just going to look similar to this? 
because that's what seems to be the case with the Bears is that they can take care of or contend with the teams they're supposed to beat. But, man, you go on the road against a playoff caliber team, you get whooped. That happened against the Rams. We're three weeks into the season and already twice against playoff caliber teams. they're, They're just not in the same realm. And what does that go back to? I think it goes back to the coaching staff and what you're trying to do collectively as a team. And Mason, I think you hit on such such a good point is that, look, Matt Nagy, there, there really are no more excuses for this guy. We've seen him fail with Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, and now, now you have Justin Fields. It's his first start, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it, but if this continues to be the case and your offense consistently doesn't have answers for what the defense is doing, you can't game plan in during the game and adjust to what the defense is doing and you have all these pieces around, you have the speed at, at the receiver position, your offensive line still does need work, but you have a very capable running back. You should have tight ends that could do something. If it's still not working, it's on you. It's on you, Matt Nagy. So that's that's kind of where I will leave that with. Hopefully, you know, you know the only, only good thing that I have, Mason, the Bears get to play Detroit. And I don't care how competitive they looked in a half against Green Bay, uh, you know, last week, it's still the Detroit Lions. So that maybe could be the saving grace for the Bears and how they can get to back to 500 this season. But that that's going to do it. We'll be looking forward to week four against those Detroit Lions, like I was talking about. Um, we'll be meeting the opponent, a very familiar opponent, obviously, in just a couple of days. So just stay on the lookout for that. Make sure you're following Mason on Twitter, following myself on Twitter, follow the Bears, Chicago Audible on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those great things. We really appreciate you joining the live stream after a disappointing 26-6 to loss. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.